Welcome back to A People's Guide to Publishing. I'm Joe Beal, the founder and CEO of Microcosm Publishing and Distribution. I'm also the author of A People's Guide to Publishing, which distills what I've learned from selling millions of books over the past 25 years. I'm Ellie Blue. I'm the Editorial and Marketing Director here at Microcosm. We are an independent midlist publisher based in Portland, Oregon and Cleveland, Ohio. We have over 700 books, over 25 employees, and we make about 40 new books every year. And we distribute thousands of titles from other publishers. We started this podcast so that we can share what we've learned with newer publishers so that you can learn from our mistakes. Or maybe you just want to understand the publishing industry. This week, we have international superstar and guest to the pod, Friday Gladheart, author of the Practical Witch's Almanac, currently entering its 27th volume. How does it feel to be the author of literally 27 volumes of an almanac? <laughs> I try not to think of it as the accumulated work. I think of it as here and now, this article, what I'm doing, and try to make that the best. I, I try very hard not to write on the past because like any author, I'm very critical. So I look over the past almanacs, I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe people read this. And <laughs> no matter what I do, it's never good enough. And that's my own personal issue. But I try to stay in the here and now and not let my ego get too big. Can you tell us about dangerous your... territory? <laughs> Can you tell us about your first ever almanac? Like how did this all begin? Oh my gosh. Okay, so it's nineteen ninety-six. That's when this computer got dropped on my front door. No instructions, no color coding, no plug and play. It was like books of the software and, you know, floppies of drivers. And I'm like, oh my God. And I'm out in the middle of nowhere in the redwoods in California. And, you know, getting my well from the stream across a river and sticking a hose in it, you know, real rustic. <laughs> so I, I have a friend, we're both going to Humboldt to college together. I'd started taking some more classes cause I always like to learn. And he started SP internet service provider and I hooked up with him, but it was long distance. Everywhere was long distance. So my phone bill was like $600 a month. Everything I made went to this phone bill and I had one web page, six. It was called uh, Volute's witchy site. And the background was this psychedelic green uh, millefiori, like this, floral thing I'd made. It was horrible. And it had yellow text on green. Oh my God. It was so bad. I even had some flashing, you know, the flash scroller. It was so hideous. Uh, not as bad as the GeoCities, but you know, right up there. So I didn't know anything except writing. And I had worked with my mom at Paystep you know, at the newspaper, you know, the old school copy or cut and paste. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm making this web page and it's, I don't know anything about HTML. It's one long web page. You have to scroll forever because I don't know how to link to another web page. Like I have no idea how to even make a link. So you would scroll down, there'd be information. And I think it started out with a crash course to a witch's garden, which had been published in Circle Network News, which is now Circle Magazine. Um, and at the bottom would be this almanac, just a little header. I figured out headers, very proud of myself. <laughs> and it would say almanac and I'd have just um, in chronological order, the different moon phases, full quarters and new, and then the Sabbaths and then any 
larger festivals, the pagan spirit gathering, you know, different events like that as they come. Because pagans are notorious for last minute planning. So it'd be July and they decide, oh, we're going to do this in September. So <laughs> right. I would be able to constantly add it. And then I started adding other more obscure holidays for people that um, had a specific goddess or a specific deity, um, any holidays or events for those. Then after looking at other people's web pages and looking at the source code, I figured I had a link to another page. Yeah victory then i figured out how to do tables so i made these calendar tables definitely not mobile ready but that wasn't such a thing yet so in 1997 i believe i bought pagan path the domain a lot of hesitation about that because it wasn't specific it was more witchcraft and wicca than paganism but i drew from a lot of different areas and i had some very close friends and coven members that were uh, more into norse mythology and and the norse pantheon so I incorporated a lot of Asatru and things like that into it. Um, started an academy. I kept getting the same questions asked over and over. So I started out with a fact file. Then it became lessons. Then it became Witch Academy. And the tables for the calendar became... Um, I co-opted a content management system, Drupal, which became Joomla. It branched. Uh, and I created this almanac where it was a clickable table. It was still a table. Um, but it could go, it could pop up more information about an event. And then so many students that wanted hard copies. So I offered PDFs. Nobody understood how to download a PDF or what Adobe was. <laughs> uh, and people that could not handle the tech, I totally understood. So I would print out a copy for them and send it to them. And that was usually an eight and a half by 11 with a plastic rib binding. And then I'd include this little tiny thing, kind of like this. My backwards, I'm backwards. That no, was good. just saddle stitched. I didn't even have a saddle stitcher, so I'm at home, you know, with my 500 copies and my stapler. Now <laughs> little pliers, you know, bending it over while I'm marathon watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So, <laughs> wow, it takes about that... it, the entire the entire show to do all of them every year. So it was the annual Buffy almanac situation um and then it i think it was 2018 i think ellie got a hold of the spine bound one i had uh, somebody at microcosm had gotten a hold of one of them and mm -hmm. had order i just got done doing 500 of them and you know i live in a very small place so i have my inkjet printer which was silly at the time and my bed and the the floor it's all you know i clean everything and sanitize and then it becomes shipping department and printing <laughs> and binding and packaging and marketing and it all becomes this situation for like a month and someone at microcosm had called back you were doing a fair of some sort a book fair and said can i have 50 more copies well my printer just died before i got my laser printer <laughs> i had just found my bed again so i'm like Please sure. no, please no. I have a PDF. Wouldn't you like a PDF? So I think I asked you guys if you could set me up with someone who's a reliable printer that can do short run printing. And you said, uh, well, maybe I'll run it by Joe and see what he thinks about maybe us publishing it. And of course, I get the butterflies and I think that's never going to work because I'm 
I don't know, nihilistic when it comes to myself. And so I'm like, I will never be there. And lo and behold, he decided to do the 2019. And that was a big change because I'm used to being able to edit last minute, go in right. in August and change over the PDF and then let people know. Um, right. So it, this year is the first year that I am on schedule. First year ever. <laughs> I had to take a lot of irons out of the fire. I was doing websites for uh, dozens of pagan sites and dozens of like the local newspaper and the chamber of commerce and all these small businesses that needed someone who wasn't mansplaining why they're paying $10,000 for a one page business card site. Um, Yikes. <laughs> and I, I would just go in there and say, he said he was going to do what for how much? <laughs> and I would just, <laughs> let me just do it. You know, and I decided I can't just do everything. So I'd, have pulled a lot of irons out of the fire. It's helped a lot. I only work in town twice a week, which is uh, six hours of drive time. And it's mostly through the National Forest, but that's when I do most of my creativity. Mm -hmm. I'll be um, I'll be driving and I might listen to a podcast or I'll be listening to, I do a lot of study. So I'll be listening, I'm doing the this five book tarot been a tarot reader for 35 years but there's always something to learn um, and i'll think of something that i think is brilliant and insightful i'll say you know google take a note and i'll just list these really random words like purple rosemary and i think that i'm going to listen to those again and get back on my train of thought and most of the time if i do it within a day or two i do other times i still have this note i i don't know if i was not enunciating or I have no idea what it's talking about. It's like liquid gasoline, rosemary. I, I think that's, I don't know what I was supposed to say. So sometimes I'll say Sounds those like words and see. <laughs> yeah. It's the woof spell. Plaid mm -hmm. mm -hmm. I have no purple. idea. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. <laughs> to make a purple flame candle. I don't, I'm not sure. Without mm -hmm. toxic chemicals in the wick. <laughs> So the, the thing that strikes me the most is like how similar your '90s is to our '90s because I we know we've mm -hmm. had that like, a lot, which is like and, you, know, you know I'm in the middle of Nebraska and I come across this really weird AM radio station with the Butthole Surfers, and I fell in love, and then I discovered Bad Religion. Oh my god! <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, and I was lost, and you know I'm in the mosh pit after that, so. I just, um, I started publishing an underground zine. I thought it was the only one in the world doing this in the middle of nowhere, out of touch. It was called Cognizance and Free Thought. And Ooh. it was, um, I found out later that uh, a bunch of my relatives came from Czechoslovakia, now the Czech Republic, uh, because they were free thinkers and they were <laughs> really not welcome in the country so i thought it was a strange coincidence that i pulled that title out of the ethers but it was a strange mishmash of kind of like the almanac but on a really sloppier immature scale i love that <laughs> so you have been like almanacking since before there was an almanac yeah yeah it was be weird articles about gerber baby food in i think 89 had been selling sugared colored water as apple juice for a couple of years and i was livid because they got like a hundred thousand dollar fine that was it mm. and so i published something like that because it wasn't in the modern mainstream media and 
might publish about a couple of bands that were in town. Nirvana had come through and I was like, you guys have never heard these, but it, they're amazing. So it was like early on, uh, late eighties, early nineties, somewhere around there. And uh, then I'd have weird things about uh, different herbs and incense and witchcraft and that kind of stuff. But wow. it's come a long way. <laughs> yeah, that's I did a lot of, a lot of pen and ink art badly. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Love it. It, um, it all ended up looking kind of like Aubrey Beardsley. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so, you know, when you were doing, you know, we, and, you know, and I, I'm just shocked that I'm like, we had a website in the 90s and mm -hmm. at the era where people were like, what's a website? You know, right. <laughs> you know, right. and, and, and you're like explaining to them and they'd be like, why would anybody ever go there? <laughs> you know, was normally the second <laughs> question. And you're like, oh well, my God, they might be interested in what we're making. I, I'm just maybe know, a wild idea. But, you know, but we were stapling without proper equipment and, you know, making things. And, you know, Ellie was doing that, too, at that time. Were you printing in-house? Printing um, and binding uh, in-house? We kind of. I mean, <laughs> in, in the capacity that you were, you know, and that, like, we were making something and trying to run. You made it work. It. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But right. we were, and, you know, and you get to the point where you're like, when you're just about to bring the printing press into your basement, you're like, maybe this right. doesn't make sense. Maybe somebody who is an expert should handle this. You it, know? Exactly. And um, we have since cohabitated, like we had our previous office shared with, I think, four or maybe five printers at the height in the same building. And witnessing oh that, gosh. that really convinced me that I want nothing to do with printing because it's just like, yeah. it's, all they ever talk about is things breaking. You know, it's never <laughs> like I had an uneventful day. It's more just like no, it's like this very dramatic. Broke and this broke, and the person it's the isn't same in here. newspapers. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. and it is that kind of thing. I miss but, the smell. I miss but, the smell of the printer and the newspaper. Mm. It's so, it's home to me. Right, <laughs> and I and I think there's something you know, and you made like you made reference to it where you're like. Uh, your motivation was partly, it sounds like you wanted to sort of be the news, you know, like you wanted to become the Kinda. media. And then you had just like a lot of thoughts and ideas and like culture you had access to and opinions. Is that like kind of what motivated yeah. you into publishing? Yeah, I think so. I felt a lot of voices were not being heard. So I'd have guest authors. Uh, There's this homeless gentleman that wrote incredible poetry and i'm super picky about poetry i think a lot of it is best left in your personal journal but <laughs> you know mine is um and he was just extraordinary so i published some of his work because i knew no one was ever going to see this or hear this and it's written on a paper bag you know yeah. um and news articles that would come across my mom's newspaper desk from the associated press that were just ignored by all the others like um especially dealing with corporate naughtiness <laughs> and yeah. i would framework a lot of that um mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah i would try to not force my opinion on other people that's always been a big thing for me is like everybody being heard even if it's a cacophony of voices i'd rather have that and then have this isolation and it just felt like every newspaper had the same 
information. Every magazine was how you can like totally like put on junk. And mm-hmm. <laughs> just I didn't feel like I fit in anywhere, but I really loved media and and sharing voices. So kind of did so, that. And then how did you get it kind of honed into like your sort of multidisciplinary Wiccan pagan witchcraft like because you're not like easily summarized. No, probably not. Um, I had always felt there was something beyond normal, but, but I have a very uh, a very scientific mind. I try to be very objective, if that makes sense. And you know, reading a lot of woo woo. I you coming from the Christian background, like most of us do. Uh, I wasn't finding a lot of the answers that I was looking for and I was interested in gifts of the spirit. I displayed a few of those and I thought that was interesting. I started, you know, we're talking about interlibrary loan before the internet. So it was very hard to get information in a rural small town. Yeah. Fortunately, my mom being a editor and investigative reporter, I knew how to hit do interlibrary loan, how to hit the libraries, how to look through the microfiche. <laughs> And I would try to find information that would that was shared and common among all different religions, like the Golden Rule um, or the Wiccan Read and um, creation stories. There's a lot of similarities there that even cross over the science every once in a while, if you kind of look at them with fuzzy glasses. <laughs> but I think even as a kid i was doing things with plants that were weird i was trying to make an enfleurage uh it's a way to extract a fragrance from i was like eight and i'd built this playhouse out of screen doors that i'd salvaged from old barns and houses uh, all around the countryside and so it was this great screen house with an upstairs i had a staircase from a house and this was my laboratory so you could go up on the roof you know Downstairs, I had this enfleurage, which was two plates coated with lard, and then I'd put those purple irises in it because I love that fragrance. It's like grape, but floral, and there's mm-hmm. no way to capture that essence. You can't extract it. You can't distill it. it. It's just fragrance. So you're supposed to saturate the lard with the fragrance and change it over. And of course, oh, school got out. Summer started. The lard melted and went rancid. But, you know, one experiment. And then another experiment, I would go out in the countryside and uh, pull the sheaf out of the center of a blade of grass and swap it with another one near it and then put bread ties on it to mark which ones I'd swap to see if I could do grass grafting. And I'm like 12, you know, maybe 11 and doing these weird laboratory experiments and trying to discover herbal properties. And it was during the seventies back to basics movement. Uh, growing our own strawberries we made our own butter for a restaurant that we owned and you know just everything from scratch and uh we burned wood so most of the summer was spent cutting wood all through the forest especially to heat this 2000 square foot restaurant dance hall tavern thing that we owned (laughs) so i think it integrated when i found wicca or witchcraft at the time those uh terms were interchangeable but that's a long story uh, it was hard to find information, so I started online correspondence courses at two different schools, uh, seminaries. And I felt like it was almost like going back to an evangelical church where they had this very specific idea and they were trying to 
force you into line into a tradition and like most people as we broached into the 90s i was tired of fitting into a cookie cutter mold um so i started again finding the commonalities among all those traditions and the core truth uh mixing a lot of science into the herbalism like okay the doctrine of signatures says walnuts are good for the brain but also science says it has a lot of antioxidants and you know let's find out where those merge and find a uh, sliver of truth there that we can expand on in a much more uh, scientific and magical way together where you're writing down what you did for a spell or for a recipe and you're going back to it and saying did that work what's the science behind it what's the experience behind it so i think wicca filled that um and paganism in general filled that kind of brought it all together so as diverse as it is there's a cohesive whole to it i kind of hope that's what comes forth in the almanac, even if you're not a kitchen witch or a green witch. And I have a lot to say about putting labels. I, I sign off a lot of my podcasts with save your labels for the herb jars. And I just think as soon as you label yourself, I'm a, I'm a green witch, then you, you start to grab all the things that you identify as green witch towards you. And you may be ignoring some really interesting facets of yourself and your spiritual growth. So I try to smack or have a spattering of everything in there. So there's something for everyone. I don't know. Right. I love yeah, that. Yeah, that's great. I'm nervous. <laughs> and, and, you know, we, you know, Ellie and I are Gen X people as well. So, like, you know, we just we don't come, care. <laughs> from the same era of like, the we generation all. generation that cares not. <laughs> well, you know, if you like, you have, you don't care, but you also have like varied interests and you don't yes. want anyone to think you're lazy. And right. so, like, you have a like a weird relationship with like drugs and stuff, but like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's it's like we just weren't into labeling ourselves. Like, we were not, mm -hmm. and this is kind of the weirder thing that we run into all the time with our younger staff is they're really into the like, well, if you're queer, you're queer, and you tell yeah. everybody. Whereas, like, in our generation, it just wasn't that way. So I, I can understand, like, where you're coming from, where you're like, all of these things have really interesting, cool details that you might <laughs> want to know a little for each of them, you know? But, and exactly. so I can see, like, how that might get you, you know, because other people would be like, well, and, you know, and we run into this um, with our best-selling author is Dr. Faith Harper, as many oh, viewers yeah. know. I just heard that. I think that interview was just on. And she does the same thing where she's like a little bit from here, a little, you know, and she's a Gen X person. Um, we have <laughs> the same birthday. In world. And, How very cool. And, and, very and so cool. It, it's, and it's, but it's the same thing. It's like, she's like picking and choosing the relevant details from everything and puts it together. And then is like, here are the parts that are useful for you. And exactly. it's like, and that, you know, and it, and it is, it's, I think it's generational, but so, and then, you know, and I didn't realize that the Almanac didn't really take on your paper interest until like pretty about the time we came on to it. Yeah. So what, like, you know, and I, I, I you know, I understand it's like largely it sounds like it's a matter of practicality, you know, because you're like. Yeah, there are maybe 500 printed every year, but mm -hmm. most of it was but distributed it digitally. But you also had, I mean, you came with a huge audience. Like there was a lot of people that clearly were interested in what you were doing. And like, oh, yeah. we didn't need to 
you know, we had to catch up with your audience rather than spelling it out for them what the benefits are <laughs> of your work, you know. And, yes, and they're so, very, they're very willful lot. <laughs> <laughs> and strongly opinionated. I'll never yes. forget, I'll never oh, forget yes. that first Kickstarter we ran. I was like, this is, I was like, we're doing way more customer service on this Kickstarter than on any other before. Oh, yeah. I think they're used to that. Most of them started out as students. So... I had a very close relationship with a lot of them and now they have become the children of those students and the grandchildren of those students. So there's been a very close relationship with them. And even now when they buy the book through microcosm or a small bookstore, they can usually find me, even my email address or find me on social media and try to have that intimate relationship with them. And that's, I think why I like microcosm because you don't deny that you don't put a bunch of walls up between the reader and the the author so I've developed a pretty strong relationship but I've had to put some boundaries on it now because as the children and grandchildren of my students it, it's been exponentially growing and cannot be available 24 7 and that was hard for me to let go of I wanted everyone to have personal one-on-one -on -one time and they usually do, but now it's a quick direct message or it's a a quick email rather than a six hour phone call. Oh. <laughs> you know, that is right. about growing and growing your audience and success. It's true. It's like it you is. can't be close personal friends with everyone who's involved anymore. Or want to though? I know. <laughs> I, I'm really working on cloning myself. I have a box in the back. It says, "Well, I have two boxes. One is marked Time Traveler with Sharpie, and it's not working." Oh. Well, it goes uh, it goes forward in time at the same rate as we do. But, oh. you know, I haven't been able to speed that up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I have another okay. one that is uh, the cloning box, and it hasn't worked yet. But I would love to experience everything everywhere, have uh, conversations with everyone that's ever read my book, even the people that are haters. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. Why did you hate what? what? How can I please you? So I'm trying to let go of that whole people pleasing thing when it, it starts to cross some boundaries. I have new boundaries. It's been fun. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. That's great. And so can you talk a little bit about like, so where you're, how you built up your audience? Cause I feel like that is something that a lot of people mm. really struggle with is like the kind of trust they have in you and the kind of interest they have mm. in your new ideas. And like, can you just talk about like that? process over a period of say and also i would like to point out that you started in 1996 and microcosm yeah. started in 1996. it's the coincidences are well there are no coincidences it's very odd we were destined to find each other mm -hmm. but so how did that develop over time say 20 a lot years? of it is just putting in the work and being your authentic self now there's a caveat to that I did not reveal that I was female for a decade. I went by the name Volute, uh, very gender neutral, based on spirals. And when people would ask, uh, I had a forum. It had 10,000 posts every day. It was huge. Wow. It was uh, massive. It was right when Facebook was starting. And I did a lot of public decimation of information, is that the right word? Anyway, public information just available. So you didn't have to go behind a paywall to take the classes if you could read it. And although I tried to be extremely authentic, I did not want people 
people to know my gender. And when they found out, it did change. I had always been very, very careful about what I would put out in the classes because people would take that as the word of the authority. And so I never stated what exactly my path was or what my gender was. And age, sex, location, which was a big thing back in the day of of, uh, IRC chats, they were forbidden on the website. You had to end uh, avatars, which we called emblems then because avatars are a specific thing in magic um, so we called them emblems i had two thousand of them that i had created pen and ink that were approved you had to pick one of those uh, you could submit one that you'd made for approval but it couldn't reveal your age sex or location so everybody was there on the same level and i wanted to keep it that way then i was starting to have uh, enough people, enough followers that I was also getting people who were intimidated by that and, and got very adversarial and started accusing me of not being authentically me because I would never reveal what my gender was and I didn't say what my path was. So I came out as, we're just going to call it witch. There you go. And I came out as female and suddenly students that I'd had for 10 or 11 years treated me differently. I would get more questions on my, uh, where my research came from. I'd have to prove myself more. It was odd. It was a very interesting experience, but I think I developed most of my following by just being authentic. And when asked, I don't lie, but I ask them not to share with everyone and there's specific reasons I do that. Um, I have very impressionable young people coming into the witchacademy.org. And if they find out, well, I follow this goddess or I do this kind of practice, they're going to try to emulate that. And that is not what it's about. It's about what your path is and un- uncovering that from within. And I think I would do, I was on all the social medias early on, um, usually when they just started, when they're founded. And I would just let them sit. I might post something once a year, but because I was on there for so long, the following just grew naturally. Now, when I changed over from Pagan Path to Witch Academy to be more specific, I think I did that in, finalized it in 2020, I think, but it started in 2012. It took a long time. There were thousands and thousands of things to move over. And every time I'd move it, lesson over, I'd have to rewrite it. It was, got it a little neurotic. Um, I don't know. It's <laughs> and I, I get that too. Journey. I I was listening to a podcast uh, this morning about a, a person who did a similar thing where they had an anonymous forum in the early infancy of the internet, and then but they based they they went a different direction. They built a crime syndicate. If you Ooh. have any regrets, and so they they created wow. like the original like it's the origins of like credit card theft and like fake oh my IDs. god i did fraud control systems for credit cards so did i what really Whoa. okay this, this wow. is that is wild. weird too much that is weird way too much <laughs> and, and um but yeah that was, was the same thought i had where i was like this was literally my job like i was the one right. supposed to catch you doing this right <laughs> right know? But it, you know, and it, it's, but it like really kind of showed me the power. And I guess we had kind of a similar thing where like we, 
you know, we were like behind our website and our catalog and like, you know, those know like much about you. Right. And then we would like be at events and people would come up and be like, did the microcosm people send you here? And you're like, well, we're the microcosm people. And you're like, did you think we would be like 10 feet tall or like special? In Are you some lost, other little boy? <laughs> and, you know, and it's like, I never really looked like much. I think it's part of it, you know? Like, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so like, I, you know, I, I can't relate like, like your story, like people, but I did, I definitely went through the similar mm -hmm. thing where like, once people would meet me, they would have a lot more questions where they'd be like, how do I know the things that you say are correct? Right. <laughs> you know? Exactly. And it, and it was interesting in that way where, you know, it's just like you have like utmost trust and faith in something until like you have any reason to question it, like say someone's gender, you know, or no right. reason at all. You know? Or you like find right. out that somebody is like, you know, cause I think I just don't exert as much confidence in person as I do in writing or something. And so, you know, and, and, but, and it's a similar thing where like, that's the part of your work that like really impressed me is that people, you know, and like people respect it enough to disagree with it, you know, right. which is like really cool as a thing, you know, that like, if you didn't respect it, you would just disregard it, you know? Right. And, it has then, to have a challenge. And then, and it's, and it's, and I can't really get a sense of like what portion of your readers are people that are familiar with you and your work, and what people are people that are familiar with people that are familiar with your work and trust you by extension <laughs> right. of that, you know? So, like, right. do you, do you have a sense, or like, do people tell you, like, are people discovering you through the new editions of the Almanac? Yes, very much so. Um, Boy, <laughs> you have a story or two. Yeah, I'll I'll do a book signing <laughs> at a small bookstore, and and these are very hard for me. I it, it's hard for me to be around people or in public at all, and I've been challenging myself to get over this, especially for the last ten years. I've uh, joined some organizations and where I've had to teach classes on gardening in front of people, and I went to a poet's loft a few weeks ago and stood up and spewed random stuff to people and mm -hmm. then walked away shaking and nearly crying and, and just trying to force myself to get over this. Um, but I'll do a book signing and it's, it's better because it's more intimate and one or two people will come up at a time. And I would say out of every 30 people, I know one and five of them think they know me. So I, yeah. I think I meet so many people I don't know if we've met or if we've had a conversation, if you're using a different name in person than on social media, it's going to take me a long time to bridge that gap. Um, but I've had, I'll have these great meaningful conversations and this is kind of a byproduct of doing tarot readings for so long. So we'll do a tarot reading and basically open your medicine cabinet and find all your secrets. And afterward... <laughs> I do a dump. I completely forget everything, but unfortunately I also tend to forget people's names. That way, if somebody comes back for a reading, I have a fresh start. I don't have any um, ideas of what's going to come up, nothing like that. I can get this fresh blank slate at the tabula rasa every time. And 
because of that, I usually don't remember who they are until I'll throw the cards out again, or we'll start talking about something we had in the previous conversation or something that was mentioned in private messages. Then I'll be like, oh, you're that person. And I, I feel like I know more of them than I realize. And it just takes them a minute to remind me that I know them. I don't know if that makes sense. There's, it's hard to keep track of 5,000 people. Like I graduated high school with, I think, 35 other people. And it was hard for me to remember their names. Like I could tell you details about their personal life, uh, everything about them, but remembering names is hard. And putting a face to it is even harder. That makes that. a lot of sense. And I think that's kind of how it goes, though. It's like you, you'll you have, you know, because like you don't have fully formed relationships with all these people, like even if you've met them before. No. Even the people you went to high school with, you don't really have relationships with them. No. You know, like you you occupied space for a while and then you moved right. on. But so, oh, that's interesting. Uh, and then, oh, go ahead. Um, but it, it keeps me from... Uh, divulging secrets from a tarot reading, which is great because I don't remember any of it. Did you train um, yourself to forget that? But way? it also, yes, yeah, I did. Um, what happened was I would do maybe 10 readings a day, and I did that for 14 years straight, which wow. is a lot of readings, and they're about 30 minutes each. And I would go to bed and I'd be worried about Aunt Clarissa's grandma over in, you know, I'd be worried about all these people, oh. 10 new people every day. And I realized I cannot fret about everyone. I can't worry and send love and energy. And I usually light a candle after my readings, be like, everybody hope everything works out, you know, that kind of thing. It was a mental survival. I cared too much to hold on to all of it. So, yeah, I worked very hard to train myself to dump that information. I wonder if that's going to cause Alzheimer's later. I don't know. I mean, you have... <laughs> we'll find out. In your, in your almanac, so you have this incredible amount of information, and it shows the, how much you're thinking and remembering and what good systems you have. <laughs> I was hoping you could kind of go into, like, a little bit of, like, what what are the ingredients <laughs> of an almanac? Like, how do you solve this puzzle each time? Because you have math, you have art, you have science, you have like writing you have philosophy oh, yeah. you have so many different things yeah what 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 are what's your like oh, recipe yeah. for putting this together well on my long drives to work when i'm listening to something i'll i'll stop and ask to take a note and then i'll get back to it and try to flush it out in my creative mode i'll record notes and then in my linear mode i'll try to flush it out into an outline or an article mm -hmm. uh, when it finally goes into the almanac, let's say I want to put it sandwiched between a week and it's got to be on two pages and I don't want to fudge on the font size and make it a ransom notebook with various fonts and <laughs> it's already got quite a few fonts going on. It's good. Um, I'll try to be very succinct. I'll look at, let's say it's going to be four pages and need to knock it down to two. I try to take out all the extra verbiage. Um, maintaining information for the absolute beginner someone who's been practicing a while and someone who's an expert and i don't need all this all these rules but something to inspire everybody who's reading it and still fit it into a space and maybe it'll come up short and i'll decide to do a graphic and i know that i have a maybe a three inch by four inch spot and i'll do the same thing with that it'll be inspired by something in the article or um 
someone says i keep using theban script but i need to refer back to the article so i'll throw theban script in there like the old almanacs where you have conversion charts on one page and moon phases on another and uh, recipes for household cleanser on another i try to stick to the almanac theme a lot but uh Sundays are my day off. That's when I lock the doors. I watch cartoons. I eat sugared cereal. Um, I smoke weed. It's at that time that I'll look at what I have created so far and I'll make note. I don't make changes because I'm not in that state. I'm having my spa day. I've got a face mask on. I'm eating sugared cereal, running around the woods naked, you know, just being me. Um, it's the only day that I'm not working between between 12 and 16 hours. So I'm very protective of that day. And it used to be on a Saturday, but now I'm in the Bible Belt and the world closes down on Sunday. So it just worked better. <laughs> they roll up the sidewalk. Uh, they hide it behind the restaurant, I think. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> as soon as church is over, you go for your buffet and then it's, it's all over. Um, that's when I look at what I have altogether as a unit. So I'm not getting hyper-focused on just an article or hyper-focused on a data and to see how does it feel overall. And I don't think I did that enough the last couple of years. <laughs> I'm doing that again. Uh, then I'll have days, usually midweek, that I'm in a very linear state. I've been doing a lot of credit card processing. I've been working with a lot of numbers and I'll break out the ephemerides, which is, uh, I use the ephemerides. Ephemeris are tables, a bunch of just very boring tables of highly precise trajectory of astronomical objects. Um, and it'll have like man-made satellites and meteors and things like that. But I try to focus because it's a lot of data. I try to focus just on the moon phases and the astronomical cross quarters and the, the solstice and equinox, things like that. And then I start doing my own math. I, I don't use a soft, I don't use any software programs at first. I use longitude. So for anyone who doesn't know, the earth is, is divided into 360, anyway, 360 lines of longitude and each line represents 15 minutes or 15 degrees, which is an hour of time. Um, so each degree is a minute, or I'm sorry, four minutes, 1,440 minutes in a day. So each degree is one minute, and I'm at 93.5 degrees, so, or we'll just say 93. So I will, um, I'll start doing the math. Let's say the full moon is going to be at 6 p.m., universal time or coordinated universal time, which is a time standard, not a time zone, but it's very similar to Greenwich Mean Time. Uh, within a few microseconds, just if you're not launching something into space, it's basically GMT. <laughs> and it's based on zero longitude, which is, it used to be called the prime meridian. So no, it's uh, reference meridian. And that's considered zero degrees latitude. So let's say it's, we're just going to use Greenwich because it's close to what used to be the prime meridian. Let's say it's 6 p.m. Greenwich time, universal coordinated, coordinated universal time. And I am 93 degrees west of that. So I'll multiply that by four, four minutes for each degree. It's usually 93.5. There's lots of decimals we're ignoring here. <laughs> and I will come to the conclusion that it's going to be six hours and 12 minutes 
less because it's west so you subtract if it's east you add from the the reference meridian um and then i find the moon phases for full the quarters and new in the sabbats and and all the major things and then i start running it through a couple of high-end pieces of software i start with horizons that's the jet propulsion labs online interface um and I'll run it through a couple of other open source softwares to make sure my data is right. If there's a question of something falling at 12.30 p.m., I'll use my exact time, which is basically 93.5 degrees longitude right in the middle of central time. Because central time is the most common or the most populated time. Let's put it that way. There's more people in central time in the world than a lot of other areas in the u.s let's that can speak a language that they could read my almanac <laughs> so i will err on the side of the middle of central time so my time zones or when you're looking up an event in the almanac it may be a minute or two before or after what you've got in another almanac like the farmer's almanac and it's probably going to be more precise for you it's not going to be important unless, again, you're launching something into space, which if you're doing it in your backyard, you've got to call me and hook me up. i got to see this. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to participate in this kind of anarchy. Um, but if you're looking at an eclipse, especially solar eclipse, they're so ephemeral, they're here and gone, and that extra minute might make a difference. Otherwise, for magic, I think magic is a little more fuzzy-wuzzy. When I I do mise en place magic for people when I'm setting up like a candle that has all the ingredients for meditation. Uh, a lot of times people will request that I do it during a planetary hour on a specific day and I'll follow the technical rules of the esoteric, but really in my own practice, I think moon phases mean a lot more for me. Uh, how close the moon is to the earth means a lot more to me, perigee and apogee. Uh, I just, I try to keep things a little more practical and a little less rigid with rules that can't be justified other than it's this way because it always has been so. And there is magic in that. There's uh, a collective memory, so to speak, like Rupert Sheldrake's morphic resonance, sort of, but if you mushed that around and hybridized it i think you can tap into oh let's say orange has been used for power and i'll use red let's say red has been used for power and the blood for generations across the world so you're gonna have a red candle to represent vitality but if you're in china red might represent money and prosperity so you've got to tell me why you've got that rule. And then I'd like to explore why we should break it. <laughs> if that makes sense. And so entirely too much sense. I mean, kind of how I love life, honestly, oh, where I'm like, tell me why you have that rule. Tell me how it's serving the goal. And then right. tell me why we should break that rule. And right. you know, some people are quicker on the draw than others. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, some people are, are real into rules. There's a lot of security there for folks. And for me, it's the opposite. It's a claustrophobia of rules. As soon as mm -hmm. you start telling me you have to do this and this and this, I'm going to need reasons. Yep. Like, how is it getting <laughs> you where you're going? You right. Know? 
Right. Well, yes, when you're making soap with lye, there's a good reason for some of those rules. Whew, I made yep. a terrible mistake. Almost got scarred for life. When you add fresh coffee grounds to fresh lye, the ammonia reacts. It's I almost gassed myself. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, I'm going to die up on this hill in the woods someday. And you guys are going to be like, what happened? Uh, herbal experiment. Oh, right. <laughs> I'm wrong. Right. I did yeah. sell my distillation apparatus and thinking, okay, now I'm not distilling essential oils. And then I got a bigger one. Oh. I don't know. <laughs> There's no stopping you. Can't help I appreciate it. that. <laughs> Listen, you. This great idea. I think it's fabulous, but he steals it and does it. So <laughs> I am a big fan of living in small spaces. I think it reduces your footprint in so many ways. And I like to have mementos and as you may have noticed, I'm very fragrant, very smell oriented. Um, mm -hmm. I think it unlocks a lot of memories for me. So I was doing a hand fasting. I officiated at a hand fasting, um, which was nude and in a hot tub. But anyway, I wasn't nude <laughs> or in the hot tub. I did not know this was going to happen. But <laughs> I did this hand fasting. They had all these flowers all over and they wanted to keep them as mementos, but they live in a bus. And I was like, well, let me take maybe a bushel basket of them, which is eight. <laughs> anyway, that's about five gallons ish. I took about five gallons of these flowers home and I distilled them all of them together in the bio biomass flask so that they had some of them weren't the best smelling but they had basically the essence of that ceremony of that day all of the flowers in an essential oil and then i i made a couple of wax based items so that it would be preserved for a few generations but i just i like to capture the essence of everything and that science experiment, I think, is a win. It helps to have very fragrant flowers at your hand fasting ceremony. but And you open the bottle and it's like, oh, yes, I remember all of that. Now, next time I might add some of the wedding cake to the biomass flask and get some of that caramelized sugars and the vanilla out. I think that would be fun. So, like, don't mind me. I'm just going to take something borrowed, something blue, this cake, a little of the wine. <laughs> But so it's magically amazing. linked that way. So even if it didn't smell that good, it has the essence of that day and that event. So it's just weird. I do that's weird a, things. So that's a great metaphor for the, I guess, the answer to my question about what's the recipe for your almanac. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes. Exactly. Yes. Distilling the essence of everything. And saving it for several generations. There's a lot of times I'll write what turns out to be more of an op-ed and I realized that's really opinionated and there are some things I have very strong opinions about uh, one of the first books I wrote was called love spells enchantments of the heart and it was a reaction to thousands and thousands of people asking me to either do a love spell or how to do a love spell so it's a trap and like a trap street in the old maps it's this entire book about how and why to cast love spells, the history of them, everything from filters to aphrodisiacs, everything. And by the time you're done reading it, you never want to cast a love spell. And I was speaking from a lot of experience because I got into this before the internet and I'm like, I'm going to make people fall in love with me. Mm, yeah, because uh -oh. love meant everything. And I made a lot of terrible decisions and paid a lot of terrible prices and hurt a lot of people. 
And I wanted to make sure that other people didn't have that experience. And through the whole book, there was only one spell that had any validity. I mean, they were all valid spells. Some were historical, some were ones that I'd used and had worked, unfortunately. And the only one that worked that was what I consider acceptable to use is a sub spell where you're doing this whole bath, which is very popular now. You're doing a whole bath with rose quartz and pink candles and boosting your self-confidence and getting in that space where you're like, I'm okay. I love me. And it was, it was just a trap book. So I got so tired of referring people to the frequently asked questions because they come to you in a very desperate situation and they don't hear no. I won't Wait. cast a spell or I won't share it with you. Friday where? So is this I had this book. Oh, I don't know. Is I it hand bound it with a oh. Yeah, there's there's a print copy here somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> it's this uh uh five five and a half by eight. Um the front covers are mulberry paper, the insides are that kuru paper, the mulberry swirled anyway hand bound it uh i think i did 50 copies and then the rest was pdf and people still buy the pdf i have no idea why <laughs> they want that's actually stuff. how i met another author another witchcraft author i had gone to do an interview and book signing with her and she had just published a book called enchantments of the heart and i thought that's weird so during the interview we had gone outside to smoke cigarettes we were both had nicotine patches on and we we're both nervous in front of people so we went outside to smoke with patches on get get good and high and dizzy off nicotine <laughs> like old high school you know puffing and behind the behind the school um, i discovered that she had no idea about my book and she turned out to be this really a wonderful author and a longtime friend just we don't talk very often but it was a strange situation but it's called in love spells enchantments of the heart and it's not on any of the that horrible a box store it's not anywhere <laughs> like that um, mm. when you join witch academy if you go to the library and search through the stacks of books that are on there it's mostly articles that didn't fit in a class lesson. So I just separated it off. And here's an article about how to set up distillation apparatus. Um, but if you search down in the library, you'll find enchantments of the heart. And I had symbol coded all of the spells. So a smiley face meant it was, um, it wouldn't infringe on other people's free will. Uh, dollar sign meant it was super cheap or you didn't need any ingredients. And anyway, it had symbols on them. What? What can we expect in the 2024 Almanac? Great question. Okay. I'm very excited about 2024. I think learned a lot since you guys have started publishing me. And I'm using everything I've learned and it's really coming together in this one. So I'm going back to every week at a glance and then the next page is articles. Nice. And they are attuned to that week somehow. Sometimes it's because I drew a tarot card and it vibed for that week. Sometimes I'm looking in my old almanacs and I see there was a whisper of spring on the air and the daffodils are blooming. So that week on the new almanac, it's going to be about how to plant bulbs with magical intention. Um, so it's, it's just all coming together. It's um, 
there's a lot of focus and a lot of emphasis on delving into your own spiritual path and like we were talking about before putting those labels aside and exploring what speaks to you as maybe you're not into a daily ritual that's not your bag and you start to feel guilty about not getting to your gratitude ritual that's that's not okay it's about finding your spirituality and how it meshes with your life so i'm trying to do a little bit of everything in there so you can kind of explore and discover <laughs> i'm very excited about it i think people are gonna love it and the theme for 2024 awesome. is going to be growing your craft right yes oh boy that was hard because it was going to be mise en place magic and oh uh, then it was going to be about coming home a lot of pagans say that when they find their spiritual path it feels like coming home and I kind of was writing with that as the theme for all the first articles I've been doing. And then there were a couple of other titles that hit some bestseller lists that were similar, um, not in the same genre, but I thought it was very much speaking to the old school crowd when coming home used to be kind of a catchphrase for us. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to exclude anyone. So I just, um, it was... I think growing your craft was a little more specific. <laughs> well, I know well, we're I look all, forward to it. We're all really excited about this one. I am too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you guys. Yeah. Thank you yeah, so thanks much. So much. Thanks for joining us once again. Please send your questions to podcast at microcosmpublishing.com so we can answer them on future episodes. And please give us five stars on iTunes and everywhere else that podcasts are reviewed. You can find us on the internet at microcosm.pub. On Twitter at microcosm. On Facebook at microcosm publishing. On Instagram at microcosm underscore pub. And here in Portland, Oregon on North Williams Avenue. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful week.